Everyone, this is the very first episode of the Shallow Research Podcast. For listeners who are tuning in for the first time all around the globe, I'm Laura, and by day I'm an educational researcher who studies kind of issues of policy and assessment and evaluation at Stanford University. And I'm Christina, and I'm a film and media scholar at Eckerd College in St. Petersburg, Florida. So I dragged Christina into doing this podcast with me uh, because not only are we both academics, but we've actually been friends for almost 20 years now. And we first met, even though we went to the same college, Duke University, we actually first met um, very far from there while we were both studying abroad in Italy during our junior year in college. Right, which was the beginning of many both serious and non-serious topics, talks about a variety of topics. Um, So hence leading us to today, where um, the concept is that we're kind of taking our nerd skills of analysis, kind of research, synthesis, and applying them to kind of shallow topics, um, seeing how those research skills translate into our everyday life. So we can make some recommendations to you about things that you should check out, things that you might enjoy that go beyond what you might see as published in a research journal. So here's how we were thinking about going about this. Each episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the shallow topic that we've selected for your consideration and for your enjoyment, um, taking a closer look at something that we're really into. And then we're going to have a guest, right, Christina? We're dragging other people into this too. Yes, I think that's the best way to get into research, make other people care about the same thing you do. Right. So we'll um, have our friends and family members who are voluntold that are going to be part of this podcast tell us about things that they really love and um, that they've kind of gotten into as well. And then we're going to be closing out with kind of a roundup of, kind of random recommendations, um, things that we like that don't necessarily fit into any particular category of discussion, but we wanted to share with you. Yeah. And so I think this is the perfect time for us to do our first dive in. Let's dive in. This week, we're settling into our cozy couches to take a deep dive into the world of television. By day, I'm a professional film and media scholar. And by night, I asked Christina to tell me what's worth watching in order to bring some joy to my stark existence. So my first recommendation is for the TV show Barry, which is a a dark comedy series from HBO created by Alec Berg and Bill Hader. Um, You'll know Hader from Saturday Night Live, from the show Documentary Now, I think from everywhere, basically. So Hader in this show, he plays Barry, um, who's a former Marine and like all of us, current hitman. Uh, who goes to L.A. to kill a target who's enrolled in a local acting class. And while he's surveilling his target, he's called up to perform on stage with his mark and discovers a way of making himself seen in a way that he doesn't seem to be, because he sort of is this invisible guy um, that directly conflicts with his current career. Um, As they point out, 
Uh-huh. Um, the probably the worst thing you could do if you're a hitman is try to get into a uh, you know a um, a profession that wants like, you to seek a- fame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> profession. <laughs> His name is in neon lights. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, there's your picture. Is that guy coming to get me? <laughs> So did he like kind of gets the acting bug as he's doing surveillance? Yeah, I mean, you get the sense in the beginning that this character is one who's sort of living a half life. And I'm not sure if that is exactly what he's playing when we see him playing video games in the beginning. But he just seems to kind of exist, but he's not alive. And his job, he's trying to go out and kill people. Yeah. And it's, you know, so there's a way that you're basically like. I mean, it's a joke to say he's like everybody, but he is, you know, he's like, he's just doing his job. His job happens to be killing people. He's very good at it. But outside of that, he doesn't really connect with anybody. He's like, he's like the sort of hitman version of a cubicle drone. You know, he's like, do, do, this is me. And he doesn't, he doesn't even have social media as a way to connect with people. So he's very isolated. And he doesn't um, have like a water cooler. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so this is his he discovers like a, a community and a way to express himself and and let all that's bottled up kind of and connect with people on this stage and he is not good at acting right away so he's drawn to it but it is not like he suddenly is great at it <laughs> so what are the most superficial reasons that i should watch the show <laughs> Um, all right, let's see. The situations, <laughs> the characters. Okay, on this show, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, plays an acting guru who is omnipotent in his own theater, but completely irrelevant in the actual acting profession. So he's sort of totally in control of his world in the same way that Barry is. But outside of that world, he is completely powerless. Like he goes... Like no one knows yeah. who he is. Yeah, he goes in for like a... Um, some walk-on role for, you know, like background part for something. And you can totally tell he's not going to get it. And, but in this world of the theater, he is like the king. Like everyone who comes to this acting class, they're like, oh my God, you know, all the things he has to say. And then he, in this hilarious and endearing way, also kind of um, romances um, a police detective <laughs> in with like the level of confidence is just amazing you know just like this is amazing i just want to watch him all the time and also anthony kerrigan um who plays a chechen gangster and sort of an alopecia sufferer um named noho (laughs) hank go together he is also incredibly confident and upbeat um so one of my favorite moments with this character is um uh you know there they are uh, threatening Barry and his kind of handler and Barry's like don't you touch him don't you do anything to my to my to my my manager and uh Noho Hank is like oh he cares about him that's just nice <laughs> so you get these it's really interesting like the the darkness of the things they do is in direct uh contrast with the level of um uh confidence and um kind of uh, uh i don't know amicability that they engage with each other <laughs> nice and so what's the further analysis like if you're writing a paper about the show <laughs> all together um well 
I think what really makes this interesting is that the world of show business and the world of contract killing are not so different. <laughs> um, they both involve talent for hire, managers who exploit their artists, and everyone just wants to make it big in L.A. So it's either, you know, it's like the actors in Barry's class or the Chechen gangsters who employ Barry to off their competitors. So, yeah, so the smart reason to watch this is it pushes you to make connections to things that, um, you know, might seem on their surface to be quite objectionable. I mean, at least I'm hoping contract killing is uh, something that you might find objectionable. And then see how that that is this metaphor for how cutthroat the everyday world is. Oh, <laughs> and it's you know, but it's it sort of works the way that comedy does to kind of make you aware of these things. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> well, then I know. So I know the other recommendation that you wanted to bring to the table is a good is also quite murdery. <laughs> this is the one, like the fine wine. It's called, uh, it's the second season of American Crime Story, called, and this season is called The Assassination of Gianni Versace. The entire season has aired, um, and it's a true crime anthology show on FX. The first season focused on the trial of O.J. Simpson, which was also excellent. This season focuses on the murder of designer Gianni Versace, who's played by Edgar Ramirez, and... He, we follow the story, his story as well as that of his assassin, Andrew Cunanan, who's played by Darren Chris, who you'll know from Glee. And yeah. if you need any more to get you on board with this, Penelope Cruz plays Donatella Versace. Amazing. So I'm actually <laughs> very excited for this. I haven't watched it yet, but I love mm -hmm. Stylish Murder. Like, yes. I, we don't want to have some, like, you know, everyday garden variety back alley stabbing when you can have something. <laughs> like intrigue and fashion <laughs> yes um yeah i think like so here's my advice for this show this season was my fine wine this spring you mm. might binge other shows but i would only watch one episode at a time i like to savor this show so you know it's kind of like you knew where things were ultimately going but each episode had me rooting for a different outcome which is kind of weird, right? Because you know that Versace is going to die and Kunanen is going to kill him. Um, but in each episode, they found a way to kind of transform who the hero and who the villain was. And so there are episodes where you're sort of rooting for Kunanen to have a different life. Um, and then there are two episodes where you watch he has two friends that he makes along the way who are kind of casualties of his mania. And... They're some of the most breathtaking and heartbreaking television that I've seen this year. That's a bold statement. <laughs> so we already know that in American Crime Story, um, we've got drama, we've got intrigue, we've got <laughs> compelling characters. Um, but why else should we watch? Uh, well, so kind of my smart reason for watching is at first I didn't know where the season would go, um, you know, because spoiler alert. Kanan's assassination of Versace on the steps of his Miami home happens in the first couple minutes. But each oh. episode explores aspects of both men's rise to fame. And so it's just a smart show about American culture told through the lens of the experience of two outsiders, both gay men, mm. both with an immigrant experience whose lives end in violence and also in the public eye. And it has kind of a puzzle narrative structure so hmm. you feel like each episode is a piece that lets you understand these two men who are kind of mirror images of each other. 
And even though one barely registers that the other one exists. Yeah. And I'm also very interested in this whole Donatella angle and how Hmm. Penelope ends up taking her on. Because I feel like she's one of those public figures that's very recognizable. And but you somehow also know almost nothing about her, like Mm. as a person, like she's emblematic of that brand. Yes. And she's out there all of the time. (laughs) Uh, But I don't really know that much about like her backstory. And I will say that you will be both pleasantly surprised and disappointed. (laughs) That's your goal (laughs) with the series. I'm like, forget about the murder. That's the crux of this entire thing. Tell well, me if more you're about Donatella, so you will learn a little bit more about her, but it is largely in um, in her association with her brother. <laughs> so well, we don't. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we will. We don't. We won't get any flyer episodes where we just head off to with Donatella <laughs> on vacation. Well, that's, that's that's enough. That's, that's another spinoff. Oh, but Planet, but uh, just. To hear Penelope Cruz do the accent and just like savor <laughs> this experience. And I mean, it's an interesting connection to make because I think that attention to her um, is this way to sort of shoehorn in an interesting female character and try to like make sure that she's there in the same way that Brian Murphy's first season of Feud, mm. which had um, Betty Davis and uh, Joan Crawford um, and those two women um, also right. played by interesting actresses. Um it's like, let's think about what a powerful woman is and how she's trying to negotiate, um, you know, having this power in relation to a male dominated industry, but that's also sold to women and what her responsibilities are. Um, so you will get to see some of that. You will have to do some amount of work to get to your to get to a Donatella only experience. <laughs> that's OK. I, I'm interested in, in the murdery part, too. <laughs> She does, spoiler alert, she does live. So, in the end, she has won. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what else you got for me? Uh, the last one, and this is one for you and your daughter. This oh. is an HGTV show. This is my guilty pleasure, although not so guilty because I'm telling you about it, uh, called <laughs> Good Bones. And Good Bones is a home renovation show. You can find it on the HGTV. TV network. It is set in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it stars of course. The, yes, of course. And it's actually, as you say that, it's a mother-daughter team show. Um, oh. the, the mother's name is Karen, the daughter's name is Mina, and as we're thinking about, as I'm thinking about it, Indianapolis is like the third character in the show. <laughs> uh, yes. So it's in its well, third season now. So are you saying that Abby and I could someday have our own show as a mother-daughter team? I mean, despite not having any renovation experience. Well, I mean, maybe that's what I do like about it. Because what's fun about this show, and, you know, for our listeners out there, I got into home renovation shows because Abby, um, your daughter, when I was visiting you requested to watch what she refers to as a house show, if I'm correct. Yes. The house movie. <laughs> yes. The house movie. I'm sorry. And so... It's a very long movie. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's always got a new twist and turn, yes. a new furniture project. <laughs> and so I remember we were watching that show and then she was sitting watching it. And then just very quietly, she said to us, 
stop talking <laughs> during the show. We were being too loud. I we were talking like, too much during the house movie. I need to find out where they're knocking down this wall. <laughs> yeah. So I was sort of like, was kind of into, I was like, oh, this is kind of restful. And I like the vibe of the show because it's about two women, not exactly sisters, but two women doing it by themselves. And the mm-hmm. mom, Karen, is the one who has all the crazy ideas. I mean, she knows about home renovation, but she's kind of the free right. spirit. And she's reined in by Mina, her daughter. And that is kind of how my experience of these shows began, which is we, you and I were talking and we were reined in by Abby. By Abby. <laughs> so maybe like, it, you know, kind of works. They yeah, no. Yeah, they Abby have a young probably taking notes. She's like going to set up a design shop <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of like, you know, they have like a younger brother son character who runs their demolition crew. And he's always good for some sort of hijinks, um, even if it's just to throw a bathtub out of a second floor window. But I mean, he's by no means. Yeah, he's no he's not the expert. So it's kind of fun to watch these two women who are presented as both construction and design experts. Mm. And they don't need their fathers, brothers or husbands to tell They're them. They're just how like, to Dad, do it. get over here and <laughs> yeah. haul this bathtub away yeah, <laughs> while we make all the important decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and then in later episodes, he kind of goes, Hey, I'm gonna um, uh, I'm here not on demolition day, but to learn some things that involve finesse and, and they teach him. <laughs> oh, I see. So I know you recently renovated your kitchen. So is this part of the inspiration? Well, it's a fantasy show for me because I needed my father to tell me how to do everything when I renovated my kitchen. <laughs> well, you had him. I mean, Carl could have a feature in HGTV as well. Yeah, I think if the two of us had an HGTV show, it would be called Listen Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just be me just going, hmm, that's interesting. And then kind of me saying, how should I do this? Um, I Or for him, the, the title of the show would be like, you know, do this cleaning job over here because he was be doing stuff. And then my job, he would try to make up jobs for me that wouldn't slow him down. <laughs> so at one point, my job was to keep grout off of the like face of the tile. So I just kept sort of scrubbing <laughs> grout. The tile. I love how he gives you some job that is like both useless and going to take like six hours, but like marginally useful enough, you know, that you can feel like feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, currently Abby is really into, um, uh, now I can't remember the name, that show with Chip and Joe in Waco, Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, big marquee one. Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah, now I forget the name of it. I need to do some everywhere. more shallow research to be able to remember <laughs> the name of this show. Um, but so I think she likes them because, if because the wife also comes off as like, somewhat more sensible mm-hmm. even yeah. though like the husband clearly has a big hand in all of their business arrangements he's like the goofy one yep and then there's just like the woman you know kind of bringing it back to reality and like making it happen <laughs> making it come alive so I think she likes that aspect of it so in this I feel like maybe this show has some of that same like the women know what's up yeah and they're, they I mean it's all I think it is like a a strong um, component because really these house shows house movies if you will um, are hmm. about the home as this way to kind of look at ideas about family you know so it's usually about kind of like couples in various forms right daughter 
And it's like they're creating this ideal of home for mm-hmm. somebody, you know, like this is going to be the place where you raise your children and where you host Thanksgiving dinners and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, sort of that perfect middle class ideal of a, you know, the house and family and and that the, the house would be the, the, you know, either the thing that fits the family or it's going to lead to the family. And, you know, I think it's really interesting how these are interesting fantasy shows in a moment when homeownership is so, um, you know, distant for so many Americans. Yeah. No, I wonder if Abby likes this show just because she's like envious people (laughs) having an actual house since we live in a two bedroom apartment. She's like, these kids get like a whole room just to play in. Yes. (laughs) You know, my grandfather was a carpenter. And we used to watch that show, This Old House. Oh, yeah. So did I. Yeah. And This Old House, compared to these shows, is really interesting because This Old House, they would start with a house and it was an entire season and they would go through everything. And there were two, there were still two people. There was mm. uh, Bob Villa, Villa and yeah. Norm. And Norm knew what he was doing and he would, ex- and, and Bob Villa knew enough, but Norm would kind of explain it or Norm would bring them to a, he would bring, like Norm would also kind of bring him to an expert and they go, here's how you make floor joists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's like a show in the eighties where it was all about kind of like home ownership as, as renovating, you know, kind of, we have this past, like these aren't new homes. And that's kind of what a lot of these shows are about too, like renovation and, and kind of like making it work now. But I remember watching that entire, like an entire season of that show. Hmm. And now it's all about one episode gives you an entire house. And well, I'll it's tell like you, a quick flip kind of model, yeah. right? It's like yeah. in the, over the course of 45 minutes plus commercials or however long it is, <laughs> like we're going to transform this shack into like your American dream. Yeah. And, and so the American dream is this thing you can get now. The fantasy of the American dream is something you can get in 42 minutes and then, and I remember watching an entire season when I was like eight years old, like I would come and I would have my afternoon snack and we'd watch this old house. And then we got to the last episode and they like showed the person doing the interior designing. And I watched that episode. And then like the next day I was over at my grandparents' house, there was a new season. And I was like, oh, I can't get involved with this. Like I've already, like I've done it. <laughs> so I was like, I, you went through the entire process of renovation almost in real time. Whereas this is so, um, so quick on all these shows. But also the difference is these new shows are all about showing people's reactions to these houses. Oh, yeah. Like there's this element of like being wowed yes. <laughs> by the transformation. Yeah. And, and like, so like this old house was like, let's do this house. But now it's kind of like it's as much about the people moving into it. And it's like a fairy tale moment, right? Yeah. It's like they pull back the curtain you know, roll mm-hmm. back the bus or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And it's that's like, and the your fantasy. brand new life is here waiting for you, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're not, so it's really interesting, like as homeownership becomes more distant for so many Americans, the timeline of these shows that show the fantasy of it is like closer and closer, you know? <laughs> I mean, I like how we've broken this down and started to tap into <laughs> why we love the, it so the much. inner psyche of <laughs> the average HGTV user. All right, so Christina, let's recap. Uh, what three shows should we be recording this week? Well, so recommended uh, Barry uh, that you can find on HBO, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, which is the second season of American Crime Story, available on FX, and finally Good Bones, currently in its third season on HGTV, and also recommended by one Abigail Gutman.
<laughs> and that should be the highest recommendation. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Setting the DVR to record now. Yes. All right. And so we come back from the break. We will um, we'll get into our second segment where a guest knows what's best. All right. So now it's time for a segment called A Guest Tells Us What's Best. Each week, in case you get sick of listening to us talk, I mean, although whoever would, we are proud to bring you a featured <laughs> guest to tell you about something they love and how they got hooked. Yep. So these are tried and true experts. They've honed their hobbies and crafts, but they've kindly agreed to give us a few minutes of their time to enlighten shallow researchers, novice dabblers such as myself and Laura. Yes, and so our very first guest is my husband, Harold, not at all a guest of convenience. <laughs> uh, hi, Harold. Hi. Harold, is there a way you would describe yourself other than sort of a freelance sports writer at this point? Um, but he also more broadly works in communications and marketing at a university is the LinkedIn profile snippet. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add, Harold? <laughs> That's good. It's a lifelong sports fan. So, Harold, what's the best thing about being a sports fan? Why would you kind of recommend it? And then maybe we can move into ways that people could become sports fans. So, yeah, I think one of the benefits of being a sports fan is it gives you (laughs) an instant connection with really anyone I know. Like, I've been on cruises uh, with, like, a real – a bunch of people that live internationally, and we instantly have things in common, things we can talk about. You know, I can talk about soccer with them or people from different areas of the country – uh, it gives you connection. I know when my former boss, he came from Notre Dame, and we can instantly just talk about the Duke-Notre Dame sports rivalry, and it gives us, like I said, like an easy entree into conversations. Aside from, you know, being a conversation starter and being a connect, like kind of a connective tissue with anyone, I think it also builds a community together. I know I came from Washington, D.C., and when the, when the football team, team has a uh, big season, it really brings, like, different parts of society together and if they have a victory parade I know Laura mentioned being a Yankees fan growing up like when they have victory parades where hundreds of thousands if not millions of people come down to Wall Street it's like people from all corners of society of the city people that would normally not get together I know I would watch uh, the Washington football games at bars when we lived in New York City and you'd really got it's a good like cross-section of the community people you would never normally talk to and there's a real sense of community camaraderie even uh, when we went to Duke. So I think it does have the power to lift people up and to be kind of an inspiring uh, piece that that really brings people together. Uh, so that's a good thing. There's also obviously a lot of heartbreak involved in being a sports fan. It's kind of a zero-sum game. You lose probably as much as you win. Uh, but that also teaches you kind of resilience and how to get over, you know, not everything's going to go right. No, I'd say like one of the good things about sports, I mean, they're on kind of, they can be on in the background. You can invest, you know, you could watch every minute of every game or you can kind of duck in for big games or just read the, like see the one minute highlights the next day. You know, there's a lot of different levels uh, of participation that you can have. I think, you know, most people who are probably interested in sports are interested because someone that they care about is interested. And so certainly, you know, even just sitting and watching a game with them would probably be a good kind of entry point. I think uh, kind of reading, if you read the newspaper normally, maybe just, you know, if you normally bypass the sports section, maybe just take a look at the sports section and see if there's something you're interested in. Uh, That would probably at least give you 
kind of good background on the on the teams that that newspaper covers. Uh, so those are those are probably two starting points. And mm-hmm. if, if there's a particular sport that you're interested in, um, just just seeing when it's on TV and maybe just you know ducking in when you can. So, besides yourself, uh, who's a sports writer? or, you know, someone you would follow or read on social media or, you know, newspapers that you think is sort of a good entry level um, who could get you excited about sports? Yeah, I think like probably the most popular sports writer right now, his name is Bill Simmons. He calls himself the sports guy. He's kind of a generalist. So, and uh, I think he'd be a good starting point if you just went, like, just followed like ESPN, which is kind of like the the biggest name in sports right now. They, they, you get a good flavor for what's going on. And then if, you know, sports is very uh, regional. And so if there's a town, if you're in a city and you want to kind of be involved in the water cooler conversation, or maybe you want to root for a team that someone you care about roots for, you know, just find out which daily newspaper covers that team and then cover the the writer who's kind of a set, you know, every daily newspaper has a beat writer for each team. And just, I would follow that person. And that's where you're going to get the best information. So maybe you also have a sports fan, um, a sports fans partner like myself that wishes to only be called in for the celebrations <laughs> so you can bond <laughs> over those key moments. Harold always lets me know, like, in three seconds, people are going to be celebrating. Do you want to see? <laughs> because I'm just there for, like, the emotional undercurrent. I just want to see people be happy and realize their dreams. And that's it. <laughs> So that's one approach. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I said, uh, you know, quite sports. They allow you to be like as invested as you kind of want to be. So you can watch the whole game or you can watch the last uh, five seconds. And most most games have pretty standard running times. And so if you know what time a game starts, you know kind of when you can tune in for the, for the last few minutes, which are definitely like the most mm-hmm. emotional. Well, that's why I think the red zone is also such a good idea. So for listeners who don't, are not familiar with the red zone. That's a channel that basically shows like where the most exciting action is right on football Sundays. Yeah. It's something the NFL puts out. Uh, some people think it's kind of a, a sign of how our society's in decline because people, <laughs> it kind of preys on your short attention span. And so instead of, you know, a normal football game and the wall street journal actually did a study in a three hour football game and college football games could take three and a half hours and NFL games take three hours. There's probably, there's less than 20 minutes of actual action. And most of the time the clock is stopped and they're kind of getting back and huddling up or there's a bunch of commercials or even if the clock's running, it's still people are in huddles or lining up and there's not much action. So what the red zone does is it kind of takes you from game to game and there's always multiple games going on at one time. Just to the most exciting plays, they call it the red zone. That's the area kind of closest to the end zone where teams are most likely to score. So they just take you from game to game. And if there's two teams in the red zone, they'll show both games at the same time. So Again, it's kind of like, they, well, if, if one single football game is, is a little boring, this is like football game on speed. Oh, hi, Abby. <laughs> that would be so uh, as Abby comes in, um, what are some ways you would suggest to involve your kids in sports fandom or, you know, involve like sort of sports watching or sports engagement dad i think there is like opportunities for family bonding especially if you have people who you don't necessarily have the most things in common with them or conversation can be difficult you know sometimes sports is a way to break the ice i know people who have family gatherings and there's a reason that the nfl schedules around like the major holidays like thanksgiving because they know that a lot of families 
maybe have awkward reunions, but you can always sit down and watch a football game. Uh, so there, there are benefits to it. I think, you know, for, for sure I'd want it to come naturally. I don't think like forcing anyone to watch sports is the right idea, but if they do show an interest, you know, you could, depending on their age, I mean, it is a, a way to teach them math skills or logic skills or just, uh, like I said, just talk to them about something that's not academic. Or... Yeah, no, I'd say, you know, just really the good thing about sports is you can sit there and just watch it and like kind of zone in and out. And so, uh, yeah. So what's your advice for how to get um, get up to speed on more random sports like ice dancing or curling? Yeah, no, funny, funny you should mention that. I actually cover a part of my freelance sports rating responsibilities was the U.S. Ice Dancing National Championships came to San Jose uh, to, <laughs> to my area earlier this year. And so I had to and I had to write about it. And so I had to learn real quick. So I can tell you from personal experience. Uh, what I did, I mean, I went kind of the good thing and the bad thing is anyone with a computer can write about, you know, certain sports and they kind of get lifted up. Not like non-mainstream sports, there's still a ton of material out there. Uh, so just go, you know, you could search for like the top ice dancers. You can read about them. Uh, you can pull up the judging, the scoring, pull up clips on YouTube of like what kind of the standard is. Uh, you can really like do as much research as you want. I would Again, like since I'm coming from a print journalism background, I think some of the best uh, information is in newspapers. Just find out, they do a Google news, news search for like the top athletes in the sport or just, you know, the sport in general and read newspaper articles about it. Uh, you can kind of skim through stuff really fast, especially like people's hometown stuff. Uh, curling, I know is a big with the Olympics every four years. People are interested in the, the Olympic sites, have a lot of information, uh, the rights holders. Uh, TV sites that have a lot of information on curling. Uh, so there's really like a wealth of information, even on the most non-mainstream sports. I mean, I've written in the past about underwater hockey, about hickory golf, which is uh, people who play golf, but using like equipment from like the turn of the century, the turn of last century. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, stuff out there. So what's your favorite sports watching moment of all time? I think the highlight for me was I, joined, I started <laughs> on covering University of North Carolina uh, basketball. And the very first game I ever covered as the beat writer was it was called the Carrier Classic. It was on like the USS uh, Carl Vinson, which was like, a, you know, a working Navy ship. It was a ship that they dumped Bin Laden's body off of uh, when they, into the sea when they captured him. So there was a lot of history with uh, President Obama, who was the commander in chief at the time, was there. Uh, and it was just a really cool experience. They played, sorry, I should mention they played a college basketball game uh, on the deck of this ship. And so it's just a really unique opportunity. It's a kind of thing that I never would have done uh, if I wasn't kind of covering the University of North Carolina at the time. Uh, just like a really special experience. And the game was played on Veterans Day, which I guess was the tie-in for why they were playing it on a, uh, a military vessel. Uh, so that was really cool. I would say that uh, just, just watching, I'd like to say it was, uh, championship I saw the Washington sports team win but they haven't won since 91 which is kind of sad but uh, I was probably just watching Duke win the men's basketball title when when we were students just the energy and we uh, there's a tradition that you go out and like kind of burn benches which it's not as bad as I guess it may sound if you, if you haven't done that in the past it's not like vandalism or anything like that but uh, just again the spirit of community of like oh, 
the whole campus coming together, just like the electric atmosphere, the excitement, the energy, and something that really could only stem from a sporting event. I mean, Duke could win, a, they could get a bunch of Rhodes scholarships, they could win the quiz ball, you know, I don't know. They could get a huge donation, the hospital could make some miracle discovery. There's a lot of things that Duke University could do that you would argue would have better effect on society and be more positive, like as a whole for the public good. But really, it, it would take the basketball team winning to get this much like energy and excitement from everyone. And that's, and that's what happens. So that's kind of like the power of sports. I know people call it in the newspaper, they kind of derisively call it like the comics of the newspaper because it's sort of trivial. But I think that's also part of the reason people are so passionate about it because it is trivial and it's not something like war and disease and death. You know, it is something that you don't have. You can take it seriously. It doesn't have to be serious. Uh, and it's something that only sports can like bring people together like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say I mean, when we were sports writers, that was the the most read section of the paper was the sports section. So it's really interesting to think about, you know, why sports become so popular. I mean, they're basically a form of competition where usually no one dies. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, right. So and it's also helpful. Olymp- I mean, it's black and white. Yeah. The scoreboard, you know, yeah. tells you there's a winner and a loser. There's not grays. So people who struggle with like uncertainty, you know, it's pretty certain what happens. I mean, there's a reason they play the national anthem before a sporting event and not before basically anything else. You know, I think there is like a real people. People put a lot of uh, importance on this on, on these games for sure. Yeah, I mean, there is some argument for that. So, like a lot of the energy, you know, the kind of um, bellicose or pugilistic kind of energy goes into sports, and so watching it has that same kind of release. You know, we can. You can burn a bench, and as you said, it's not vandalism; it's celebratory. But from one version of it, could look the same, and so kind of interesting to think about. That's like that sounds like the solid um, beginnings of a thesis to inform further shallow research. <laughs> Do we have any last questions for our esteemed guest? I think I think we have one. It's an important one, um, Harold. From what I understand from our time together. And from uh, <laughs> from Laura's description, uh, you are a huge, you are a fan of something else besides sports, almost as much as sports, which is fruit. <laughs> and so, Harold does love fresh we fruit. <laughs> yes. And uh, so, what is your favorite fruit, and why? Uh, well, this this was the toughest question you've asked me all day. <laughs> Uh, it's hard so hitting amazing fruits to choose from you're right i do love fruit uh to the point that my dentist basically yells at me all the time and assumes that i drink tons of soda but really it's just like, I drink a lot of fruit juice um <laughs> yeah you know i think definitely it sort of depends on the season like you know I, I like cherries over the summer i like that they're only there like kind of on a limited basis so you can't go crazy i like you know strawberries are good year-round they're a good fruit blueberries are a nice smile like but uh i think i'm gonna have to go with uh bananas just they're so bananas so practical yeah but i I hear agreement over there (laughs) fine i'll eat your bananas then i don't care um no is it yeah i mean they use surprise smoothies and milkshakes you can just you know grab a few i think yeah i'm gonna go with bananas i think the the monkeys are definitely onto something (laughs) 
All right. Well, thank you to Harold for being voluntold that he was going to be our first guest in this podcast. I know after listening to this experience, many of you will be eagerly applying for the same opportunity. So please email shallowresearch at gmail.com because we have an official email address, right, Christina? We do. And you can send us uh, comments, questions, um, I guess, images of your favorite fruit. (laughs) Well, I just want to thank you for, for having me on. This week, I'm going to be leading the roundup, um, which is where I tell you about all the random things that I love and I've been kind of into lately um, and share them with you. So here's where we tell you what else we recommend checking out based on an average sample size of two. I don't know if we need IRB for that. <laughs> well, in some cases, there might be as many or three or four people <laughs> backing our recommendations, <laughs> but you can trust us. After all, we are certified doctors of philosophy. Of course, PhDs (laughs) who love forwarding their friends, life-changing Atlantic think pieces as much as they enjoy buying totally unnecessary kitchen tools on Amazon. So let's do it. Um, So in our roundup this week, I know that you have um, an app recommendation that ties into your TV recs. All right. Yeah. So my app recommendation, which you can find um, for iOS, for Apple iPhones, is called TV Time. And if you're old enough to remember TiVo and miss how that service would compile a list of episodes to watch and let you know when new episodes of your favorite shows would be available, um, but you cut your cable cord, then this app is for you. Um, So it's a free app. It's a TV tracker available on iOS. It lets you keep track of what you're watching, where to watch it, and when new shows are coming. Um, So you can email it. You can enable notifications to let you know when new shows are coming in. So right now... I have notifications that come up telling me things like you can watch, uh, you know, the new episode of Westworld and it'll, you know, it'll send you a notification on, you know, Sunday nights as it did this past one and say, there's a new episode of Barry coming. (laughs) Got it. So I like how this legitimizes TV watching. It's like an activity that's being organized and managed (laughs) (laughs) rather than a frivolous hobby or time filler so i like it it's keeping it i also have an app recommendation Mm -hmm. courtesy of mindy kaling's insta stories oh man she's been in new york city shooting her new movie and so she's using this app called detour Mm -hmm. um recently taking a walk across the brooklyn bridge narrated by ken burns but (laughs) basically what this is (laughs) is a way to stalk mindy kaling but also um (laughs) Just high-quality walking tours, self-guided, easy to listen to, um, very user-friendly. So it features, like, walking tours from most major cities in the U.S. and I think abroad, too. I'll have to explore it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really well-organized. And so some of them are just, like, general walking tours. Um, but it'll include, like, key little tips and places to pop inside. There are some that are food-focused, so it'll, like, tell you different places to, like, check out or grab a bite or like to go taste something um and the interface itself is pretty straightforward and user-friendly and then they sometimes have like featured narrators as well so someone who's been like a really long time resident of a neighborhood Mm. notable voices um and so you might have kind of celeb cameos and things like that too Um, so especially if you're visiting like a new city, I could see this being a useful way to know what you're looking at as you're walking around 
And there's nothing I love more than just like a super long walk around an interesting city. And I'll often have friends just meet up with me to stroll around and see where we end up. So this is perfect for me. Is it um, GPS based? I mean, could I actually kind of like virtual reality listen to the ones from New York while I'm in Florida? You could. Yeah, you could. Hmm. Um, but I think it's intended to be <laughs> more interactive so they're actually seeing what you're hearing. Um, but if you just miss New York City, exactly. that could be another way to go. And I, mean, I think they have, you know, also a good variety of options so that like if you want to go on the more extensive like foodie tour hmm. and pop into places in the West Village that are emblematic of the neighborhood, you can do that. But if you just have like 45 minutes to kill, hmm. um, there's a lot of like more concise options too. So nice. check out Detour as per Mindy Kaling. <laughs> so Detour and TV Time are two apps that yeah. you should download you've... ASAP. Yeah. And you've got some recommendations for, for actual physical things too. I do. <laughs> things that you can buy and hold. Um, so the first one is Luminade mm. and it's not a lemonade. <laughs> A solar-powered lantern Ooh. slash charger um, for camping or, you know, whenever you just need a solar-powered light that also charges your iPhone. Yep. That would be um, key here in Florida, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you have sun all the time, so this your Luminade would always be charged. But, I mean, so I tested out this out recently on a camping trip, and I kind of have a love-hate relationship with this whole sleeping outdoors experience. Like, I like the hiking around trails part being in nature together with other people in your campsite sitting around the fire can't miss out on the s'mores but it also like essentially is creating a lesser version of your home outdoors <laughs> so <laughs> it's like let me create like a much worse version of my apartment out in the wild <laughs> Which my husband, Harold, is also, like, not so much a fan of. Like, he sleeps on top of the sleeping bags that he can escape in the night if need be. <laughs> I, I support um, this, yeah. So I've gotten really good at buying gear to make it slightly more comfortable. Um, and Luminate was one of those things. And it was originally featured on Shark Tank. I think it's the only product that I've actually bought from Shark Tank. Um and so this particular one is this like lightweight lantern that actually it's inflatable. Like it collapses and folds up and then you blow it up to turn Ooh. it into the full lantern. And then it has that USB connection. Hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're like looking up at the stars and you're, you're missing the internet, <laughs> you can make sure that your phone is ready to go. Is it also um, like, does it float? Can I use this? Like if yeah. I'm in the ocean, mm -hmm. just like sort of cast adrift and need to charge my phone? It Exactly. And so related to that, the company does a lot of like rescue and relief work. Yes. So the idea is, you know, this would also be quite useful in a disaster. It's mm. more disastrous than having to sleep in the woods for a night. Um, so I believe that a percentage of what they do, you know, goes towards things like um, like when all of those hurricanes hit Puerto Rico and things like that. Um, their products mm. are really useful. And, you know, since I live in like an earthquake zone or like along the fault this big fault line um you know once the big one hits at least i'll be able to call everyone and hopefully say that we're still alive um so i recommend i nice. like my lemonade it sounds great for florida where you know we also can get hit with a different kind of big one this is true yeah i think disasters are all around us so mm -hmm. 
be prepared with a Shark Tank endorsed product. <laughs> um, and so then the other thing I'm going to recommend next um, is Causebox, which also has kind of a, a worthy side to it. So Causebox is um, a seasonal subscription box. And the idea is that everything inside it is ethically sourced and made. Mm. So it's a really good way to feel better about spending money on like the lifestyle type products that are inside it. Um, And it's about 50 bucks a month, depending on your level of subscription, but you get a lot of stuff. So, I mean, I'm not like that good of a person. I just enjoy getting mail (laughs) and treating myself to things here and there. So, you know, my primary motivation for subscribing was kind of like, Oh yeah, it's nice that it supports all these wonderful women run businesses. Um, and wonderful organizations all over the world that are actually, you know, producing goods without like setting up people in a set in a sweatshop. Um, but I support that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but even if you're, you know, you're not that good a person and you're less invested in the worthy cause part, such as myself, you get this like whole slew of full sized lifestyle home beauty products. So in the spring box, uh, for example, I got this like kimono style wrap that I'm using out by the pool, Um, an all natural mascara, this reed diffuser thing that is making my children's bedroom like smell less gross, Um, (laughs) silver earrings, you know, that were made by women in Kenya, Um, hand woven dish towels that came from um, some sort of women's empowerment initiative in India. Hmm. Um, You always get a little art print too from the designer of that season's box because like the box itself is actually quite nice. Hmm. um good for you know some better looking storage and then I also got this rosehip oil which would be my favorite another recommendation because it was the favorite thing within it um so rosehip oil has become really trendy lately as sort of this all-purpose light beauty oil to end all beauty oils (laughs) that gets absorbed um really easily it doesn't feel like too oily or greasy um so since I'm becoming concerned about how old I'm beginning to look <laughs> this was perfect for me um because I'm trying to upgrade my my skincare products mm. um and so I recently visited my grandmother who's turning 85 has like not a wrinkle or a frown line and was telling her that I needed like this rosehip oil because I had more wrinkles than she did um and she totally tried to like reframe it she was like oh no those are just like those aren't wrinkles those are just like deep thought lines from all the brilliant thinking that you're doing oh my god (laughs) I need your grandmother to be sent to me in a box just every month just telling me good things about myself so I mean despite (laughs) that nice sentiment I was like I'm still gonna keep you know rubbing (laughs) this oil on my face now does my skin actually look different (laughs) who's to say but it makes me feel like I'm doing something Mm. um, which is the most important part to ward off (laughs) the passing years um so that's a good example of the kind of thing that you might get inside this box as well this like all natural organic oil Um, so that's cause box but i would also like to tell listeners that if you'd like to support um nana box which is where uh, (laughs) laura's grandmother pops out and tells you that you look great that is also a thing that we could work on (laughs) i feel like she could charge money just to like call people (laughs) and pump them up 
make encouraging remarks. Yeah. Well, she does that for Definitely. herself too, right? Like she's very supportive. I was like, we need to work. We really need to get that in our lives in general. Oh, yes. I was showing um, you and some of our other friends where she's really into those adult coloring books. And, you know, after she finishes a page, she'll write like a little note of excitement and encouragement to herself. Like, great job, Gladys. Good coloring <laughs> in the margins. <laughs> Of the coloring, yeah. So, I mean, if we could really combine my grandmother and ethically made products, <laughs> I mean, I think she's ethically made. So. Yeah, that's a good question. You should just take a look, flip her over, look at look at the bottom of her feet, and see where she's made. And um... right, right, yeah. And I mean, with the ethically sourced products thing, I always kind of this is going to sound really cynical, but. You know, I'm always a little skeptical of those um, types of things as like a marketing strategy. And I also always wonder, like, does everyone in a third world country want to seek empowerment via the route of becoming a craftsperson <laughs> has to come up <laughs> with some kind of good to sell to bleeding heart liberals so they can be rescued from <laughs> like the torment of their days. But um, in this case... The products themselves are legit, and it's a great way to um, treat yourself a little bit, but then also get a couple of things that might be great as gifts, like very giftable things, perfect to have on hand for birthday, hostess gift type of thing. So that's Causebox. Nice. Um, and then, um, last but not least, if you need something to eat <laughs> while you're... <laughs> you know, unpacking the slew of beauty products that just arrived in your mailbox. Um, my last recommendation is Quinn. Um, so this is overpriced, but delightfully flavored organic popcorn um, that I purchased on Amazon. I'm not sure where else it's available, but, you know, if you've got Amazon Prime, just click, put it in your shopping cart. Um, and a friend served this to um, me and everyone in the group who was eating it liked it so much. We like immediately made a second bag of the rosemary <laughs> parmesan flavor. We just straight up were like, we want more of this. Is it microwave? It. Is it already It's popped? microwave popcorn. Okay. No. Okay. Um, so it's a microwave pack. So mm -hmm. it's a three-step process, which also, Ooh. you know, I don't know, makes you feel like this is something that's being curated or something that you're like putting together in a very chefy way <laughs> to take popcorn to another level. Um, but basically, so you pop the popcorn itself first and then mm -hmm. it gives you coconut oil to like mix it with and then some kind of like organic seasoning blend. Um, so the, the seasoning blends, like they're all like the kind of thing you could probably make yourself, but like, are you going to really, you know, yeah. so why not buy this box that has it pre-made for you? <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, if you want to add to your stock of goodies and enhance your Netflix and chill or your TV watching, this is a good addition. Mm, nice. So Quinn. Quinn popcorn. Yeah. And I wow. think it was made by like a stay at home mom. I think Quinn might be her son's name. Hmm. There's probably some touching backstory there, but that was not part of my shallow research. Well, I look forward to learning about it while eating some of this popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for joining us for our very first episode of Shallow Research. Uh, you can contact us via shallowresearch at gmail.com and stay tuned for our next set of deep dives, interviews, and recommendations into the shallower waters of everyday life. Woohoo! Listen in to 
much wisdom What feels right